Oh, oh, oh. 
All right, we're going to be turning to Luke chapter 1 today, and I know that it's tradition, kind of anyway, to, to study Luke 2 on Christmas. And what I want you all to do is read Luke 2 in your homes on Christmas. In fact, I think that every man of the house should read Luke 2, at least the first uh, 20 or so verses um, on Christmas. And we're going to do that at my house. But today, we're going to be focusing on the foretelling of the birth of Jesus. And we're doing this on purpose. I want to remind you, we have been studying a series on Israel, and we wanted to conclude on Christmas with Israel's king. I found that to be fitting. And of course, even in the songs that we sang this morning, I hope that you notice that when Christ was born to us, he was born king. He always has been king. He always will be king. Uh, the the question is, is, where is he in your heart? Does he sit on the throne of your very heart? And so today I want us to look at this passage from Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 26 through 33. And so if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her, and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son." And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You may be seated. <clears throat> so the first thing that, uh, that I will draw out here and uh, that I hope is obvious, is that Jesus was born to be king. In fact, we can go ahead and say that he was born king. And uh, the things that we, we see in this particular passage that point to that, um, we see that he it, well, it mentions the throne of his father David. And by the way, um, I hope nobody has a problem with that. We don't use the term father that way. Uh, we tend to speak only about uh, well, our father, our immediate, our dad. Um, but if, of course, the Hebrews, they referred to their fathers as being all of those uh, men that came before them in their line. But the interesting thing about the throne of David here, I want to remind you that David, I think we can say, is the prototypical king of Israel. Now, if you look at the kings of Israel, um, I, I think there's one that stands out among all of them. And it is David. And of course, I'm referring to the earthly kings. And uh, by the way, let me make a little point here. Israel already had a king. Israel's king was Almighty God. And the people, they came and they, uh, they, they told the prophet Samuel, they said, we want a king to rule over us and to judge us the way that all the other countries of the world do. And of course, uh, Samuel was displeased with this. And... Uh, he goes to God, and do you remember that God said, They have not rejected you 
And this is what he says. He says, but they have rejected me from being king over them. And the king that they chose was Saul. And that just, Saul typifies man's choosing. And if you don't believe me, you can watch every time we have polls open in America, men choose kings over them in this country. And I don't know how they choose some of the likes. Let me, I, I, I need to take a little ownership. I don't know how we choose the likes of some of the men that we choose for being king of America or president as we call them. But Saul, according to man's eye, he had it going on. He was a head taller. He was handsome. Uh, he, he was the big warrior type. And he was a complete disaster. And this goes to show you what happens when men choose. But Jesus was the born king. And here we see him as the son of David, uh, inheriting the throne of his father, David. And, uh, uh, you know, David, he's the king after Saul. And David, uh, you know, the way it's worded in, in the King James anyway, it says that David was a king after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart. And I want just to be clear on that. That means that David had a special place in God's heart. I think a lot of times preachers kind of mix that up, that God had a special place in David's heart. But it has more to do with God's choosing than David's choosing. Uh, but the point is, who was David? King of the Jews. Indeed, King of the Jews. And so here when, he, when we see that Jesus is going to be given the throne of his father David... It should be noted that Jesus is King of the Jews. Now, when you hear that, first of all, some of you are thinking of uh, well, the Passion Week when he stands before Pilate. And in all four gospel accounts, Pilate asks him, Are you the King of the Jews? And of course, Jesus' answer, You have said it is so. But some of you are also thinking, Well, isn't he our King too? And indeed, he is. But I want to point out in particular, in fact, in this passage, what does it say? It says that he will reign over the house of Jacob. Jacob is Israel. And so while we can say that he is the king of all the world, indeed he is a special king over the house of Jacob, over Israel. Um, there are, in fact, all of the prophecies of the Bible are to bring about the Messiah king the king of Israel. But I want to remind you that the very first prophecies were given before there was such a thing as Israel, before there was a, any man that was called a Hebrew. And uh, so I want us to remember that his kingdom, in fact, let's just go to the second point, his kingdom never ends. And I want you to consider that two ways. It never ends in time. It is an eternal kingdom, a kingdom with no end. Now look, if you look at the history of the world, every kingdom comes to an end. And guess what? Someday the United States of America is coming to an end. Now I don't know what that end will look like. I don't know if the age of men will go on or if it will end when Jesus' kingdom is fully consummated. But make no mistake about it, the United States is temporary. Like Egypt, like Syria, like Babylon, it will end. Like Rome as it was, it will end. But Jesus' kingdom will never end, and so that's in time. But in addition to His kingdom being eternal, it never ends in reach. And what I mean by that is it's not just over the house of Israel, but it is over the whole world. And so uh, when we again consider Israel, they select the kings uh, over them, 
and every single one of them falls short. In fact, all kings that have ever held any position in any time in humanity, they have all fallen short. Every single one of them. Every president of the United States has fallen short. Now granted, some are worse than others. It makes those other ones look a little better, but they all fall short. In fact, David, we're using David as the good example, but let me remind you that David was an adulterer. He was a murderer, and he, he, did, he dealt wickedly when it came to Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite. But Israel needed a king. Uh, in fact, Israel and Judah had 42 kings. Only 10 were good, and that good is by man's standard. And many of them started good and didn't end so well. Point being that even the best, and I'm going to extend beyond the Jews here, okay? Even the best of us, the best of humanity is a failure. Even the good are bad. And, you know, when the good kings came, and I, I was thinking in particular of Josiah. When Josiah, King Josiah came on the scene, there was great reform. They found the Bible, they began to read the law, and he said, we're going to do what God's Word says. And he changed the course of Israel. But you know, the day came where Josiah passed away, and when he moved off the scene, there was a new king, a king named Jehoahaz. And the Bible says that he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the cycle of mankind is one where, guess what? We need a king, a real king. Now the kingdom of, of Jesus is eternal, and I'm going to read from the book of Daniel to remind you of this. And of course, uh, I'm not going to read the whole dream, but this comes from the Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. I want you to remember that he dreamt up this statue. He wouldn't tell anybody uh, what he dreamt, but he wanted the interpretation of it. But God gives this to Daniel. And Daniel says this to him uh, after he describes the statue with the head of gold and uh, the belly of silver and the legs of iron and the feet of iron mixed with miry clay. Um, he says that in the days of those kings, that is the toes mixed with iron clay, the ten kings, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Never be destroyed. So an eternal kingdom. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, that is all the other kingdoms, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. And so we see even back during the days of Babylon that the world, having kings, was yearning for a better king, needing a perfect king and a perfect kingdom. Now the kingdom being eternal in time but never ending in coverage, I want to remind you that this scripture does not say that his kingdom will fill all Israel. It goes beyond Israel. And by the way, if anyone should be thankful for that, it should be us. It says, of his kingdom there will be no end in this passage. In Zechariah 14.9 it says that the Lord will be king over all the earth. In Psalm 103, 19, it says, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Not Israel, but over all. And so I want you to know that when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago as a little baby, 
And when he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he was placed in a manger and he was born in darkness and in obscurity and to parents that no one really knew that he was born the one perfect king. And third, we see that Jesus rules and reigns for God as God. Now, I'm focusing in particular on Jesus as king here, but you cannot separate his office as king from his office as priest or his office as prophet. If we can, and this is a little bit silly, but I can't help but point this out. I was going through this Bible study, and when we think about this with our human minds, if you were going to go into, I'm going to say another realm, uh, the realm of humanity in this case. Keep in mind, Jesus was, did not come into existence when he was born in Bethlehem. He is the pre-eternal, always existent Son of God. And so he has always existed. And he existed as Creator with the Father and the Holy Spirit in eternity with all the glory of God himself. But to come and to rescue humanity, the step one in what we call the Christmas story is... I'm going to become a baby. Now, if we think about this with our human minds, we would say, we'll never do that. We don't want to come in completely helpless, in complete need of everyone else on earth. But this just shows God's perfect sovereignty in this whole thing. In fact, it's better than that. When we think about all the things that can go wrong in our fragile and frail human lives, in this day, this would be in the days when Herod gave the edict to kill all the male children. And yet Jesus Christ entered in, my Bible says, in the fullness of time, at the perfect timing. Um, this rejection this, that Israel had of their own kings had led Israel to a place under Roman captivity. And, uh, of course, the, the history of Israel, I think that we should consider that it is one of distresses, of persecutions. In fact, we could say that it's almost been a nightmare. It has been, they are the center of all the earth, no doubt, but trouble on every side throughout all the ages in history. But Christ came, he was born in the city of David, and my Bible says, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So this tiny baby was born king of the Jews, he was born king of the Gentiles, and a king whose kingdom has no end, a ruler whose power has no boundaries, by the way, even as a little baby if you can wrap your mind around that. And at Christmas, I don't know why, but we, we love to focus on the baby Jesus. But Jesus didn't come to be a baby. He came as a baby. But if all we needed was a baby, He could have stayed a baby or could have went home as a baby, but He didn't. What we needed was a Savior. What we needed is a King. And so when we think about the Christmas Jesus, tiny, innocent, Helpless, though not really. Um, this picture that we focus on is, if, if I can put it in human terms, the most powerless version of Christ. But he did not stay a baby. He did not stay in swaddling clothes. He did not stay in a manger. But he grew into a man. And if you want to see uh, where the King Jesus is now, you have to look no further than the book of Revelation. And John says in his vision that I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. These are the churches. I hope you remember this from Revelation. And in the midst of the lampstands, I'm going to, say, I'm going to go ahead and translate that for you. In the midst of the churches, one like 
a son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in its full strength. And John goes on to say, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. So Jesus did not stay a baby. The mission was not to become a baby, but to be the king that the world needed. I want to remind you, when we think about the kingdoms of the world, we're thinking of worldly kingdoms. And I hope you caught it when I read that passage earlier. It said, in the days of those kings, he will set up his kingdom. Do you know what that means? It means that the kingdom of God has come. Now, it's not here fully. For the kingdoms of the world, they carry on, do they not? We have kings at war with other kings. You turn on the news and you can see, and I know we don't use the term kings a whole lot, uh, but when you think of, when you read about Putin, he is the king of Russia, if we can put it that way. Um, the presidents, the prime ministers, whatever we call them, the world rulers, they are the kings of our day, and they are all still a mess, making wrong decision after wrong decision, selfishness, seeking power, all worldly. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ is a spiritual kingdom. It is spiritual in that we can be American and belong to this kingdom, but also belong to the spiritual kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now look, only one can be supreme, and it must be the kingdom of God. It must be with Christ as your king. In fact, I believe that if you asked Americans of generations gone by, what's the first step to being a good American, I believe that they would say, first, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. First, be a Christian. Now, I know that many would not say that now, and it is not a popular thing, but... I'll remind you of what Jesus said. He said, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Do you know what that means? That was Jesus speaking about himself. He is the kingdom of God. And when he came, the kingdom of God was inaugurated. Not fully consummated, but it began. And so we exist in this kingdom with Christ as our king but the kingdom not being fully consummated. It began over 2,000 years ago. And when we compare Jesus to the kings of this world, we have a totally different picture of a king. If you think about the kings and men, they tell men what to do. They build armies out of men. They build labor forces out of men. They find ways to turn men into machines that keep economies churning and they make money and goods and services and they focus on things like GDP and national defense. But Jesus Christ came and he did the opposite of what we do on this earth. He sought not power but forgiveness, reconciliation. He didn't use men for work. He did the work. Where we live sinfully, he lived sinlessly. Where other kings demand life of men, he gave his life. Where death is required of other kings, he gave 
his own life at the cross. You know, he is the most humble, most loving. In fact, not recognized as a king. In fact, while Israel rejected him the first time, when he came, born as a baby, they rejected him again. In fact, I, when we watched this video, um, and it showed Christ, like, I know in my mind this is a reenactment. I know that's not Jesus. It's some guy dressed up like Jesus. And even then, when I see them enacting, driving nails through his hands, it breaks my heart because I can't wrap my mind around a God that loves people so much that he took our place. But this is the Christmas story. It is perfect love and perfect humility. And I want to read you just the last few lines. Uh, it's from a poem. It's called Jesus of the Scars. And what this author is doing is he's comparing the gods, lowercase g, that the world has worshipped throughout time. And they're the fiercest and the most powerful. The gods of war. And you can think of Zeus and, and, and Hermes. And he's comparing them to Jesus who's humble. And he says, The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a god has wounds, but thou alone. And so when he compares Christ Jesus to an entire world history of leaders and rulers and gods, he sees that he is the only one perfectly humble, the only one perfectly loving. And Jesus, though unparalleled in power, is perfect in humility. And I want to remind you, church, that when you think of the Christmas baby, the little baby in a manger, indeed Christ, you should also think of the one who will be returning on a white horse. Men can't rule. Always a failure. Guess what? If even me knowing this, if they said you can be the king over all men, there's one promise I could make you. I would fail. And Jesus came not to be the king that men wanted, not to be the king that would meet all of our worldly needs, but he came to be the king that men needed. And the one need that we had more than anything else was that we would be put back in right standing with an almighty creator who is perfectly pure and perfectly in power and perfectly righteous. The only way to do that would be to come as king, prophet, and priest. And all three roles perfectly are performed by Jesus Christ, the Christmas King. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we give you thanks for the Christmas message and we realize that it's not a story about a cradle or a little baby in a manger, but it is a story about a king. It is a story about a savior who was born. It's a story about imperfect men and one perfect man. And so, God, we, we marvel that you would send your son into this world. We marvel that you would shed your grace upon us. And this Christmas, I pray, Lord, that for each person that's here, that we would find time to get alone and marvel at the love that was shown in the man, Christ Jesus. And Lord, I, I know that Christmas is more secular than it ever has been. 
And so, God, I pray for the church, not just Hamer Creek, but for all of those that are called the church, that, Lord, we would set Christ apart as holy. We would recognize that this is a day for celebrating that Christ took on flesh and that He came for us. Lord, fix our mind on the hope that we have to come, the promises that are given in the Scripture, knowing that someday we too will be in glory. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you all if you would to stand. And uh, we're going to have a time of hymn of invitation. Wish you all a very Merry Christmas, and I hope everybody will, uh, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas time with family and friends. And uh, Brother Robbie, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer?